When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I am the president and owner of Transworld Business Advisors here in Naperville, Illinois. I am one of eight Transworld Business Advisor offices here in the Chicagoland, and there are about over 250 worldwide. And our job pretty much is to assist business owners realize their dreams, and they can do that in one of two ways, actually one of three ways. Uh, the first being is putting their business up for sale and maximizing the value and attracting qualified and vetted buyers to buy that opportunity. Second would be uh, to expand via acquisition. So if you're a business owner looking to expand via, via the acquisition model, we can assist you as well. Uh, there is a third option, and that would be if you are a business owner looking to expand via the franchise model, we have a team of colleagues that can uh, help you do that from initial planning through marketing, through documentation, to setting up shop, and to getting new franchisees on board with your business. Uh, today, we're going to explore a couple of different areas that I haven't done so on this podcast yet. I'm delighted to have Paul Dillon, who owns his own consulting firm. Paul, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Steve. I greatly appreciate it. So a couple of things we're going to be talking about today that I have not talked about. Uh, one of them is going to be the proper care and due diligence of your employees, as well as your clients and customers in a transition. We'll talk a little bit about that. And another topic we're going to talk about that we haven't gotten into on this program is a little bit about how veterans uh, can uh, become entrepreneurs and startup endeavors. And uh, Paul's got some expertise on helping us understand that a little bit better. So first of all, again, I welcome once again, Paul, to the show. Tell us a little bit about Dylan Consulting, uh, how you got to where you are today, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks again, Steve, for having me on. Um, I retired from the McLeod Accounting Firm in 2006, started my own um, uh, firm, and um, one of my clients was Crane Chicago Business, as you know, from being in the Chicago area, uh, it's the regional business publication for the Chicago area. And um, I did some research for them and articles that they might want to write and uh, help them with some of their events. And they came to me in 2011 and said, um, you know, we hear that companies in Chicago are uh, hiring veterans. There's programs for veterans. 
uh, we don't know anything about it. We need some investigation on it. And we think you're the guy to do it because you're a vet. I'm a former army officer and a Vietnam veteran, um, uh, Steve. So I did some considerable research for them over a five month period, full time, produced a six inch uh, volume of research for them, uh, which turned into a um, focus section uh, in the publication, both print and online called Veterans in the Workplace, which was extremely successful and um, got Crane's new advertisers, got some national uh, exposure. And that gave me a background in and companies that were hiring veterans, why they did it, and uh, the programs that were out there. And a lot of these programs were national programs. So um, I knew what pretty much what was happening across the nation. As a result of that, I uh, wound up through a connection, uh, creating a mini course at the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago, four weeks, no credit, no tuition, I didn't get paid on uh, veterans issues, covering everything from veteran mental health to legal issues to employment and uh, entrepreneurship. And that was very successful. That was in the winter of 2012, 2013, down at Hyde Park at the University of Chicago. Uh, in 2013, I sat down with the publisher of Cranes and said, uh, David, you know, uh, Chicago has the startup incubator, 1871, the mayor brings through, you know, everybody, president of France. I said, but Chicago doesn't do too much for veterans who want to start their own businesses. And I said, maybe somebody should write a, an editorial or an op-ed on that. And he puts down his fork and says, why don't you write one? So I did. It was called Vet Chicago's the Startup City but not for vets. Let's say that that got a spirited reaction around the city, uh, got me an introduction to the Chicago Entrepreneurial Center and who were, had just started the 1871 incubator at that time. I talked with them about doing something for veterans at the incubator. They weren't ready. They said, maybe in the second year, we'll do something. The young man I talked to had left. Uh, since then, a new guy came in whom uh, I knew. I sent him all my material. And 2014, along comes the Bunker, which is a startup incubator for veterans. It was founded by a um, Navy lieutenant, very uh, uh, sophisticated, intelligent young man by the name of Tom Connor. I had moved down to North Carolina by that time, and uh, but Todd is definitely the founder of the bunker. But I'm kind of the godfather of the idea that uh, that it was based on. Todd, and now it's called Bunker Labs. Todd has expanded to some thirty cities around the nation. There are spots for veterans who want to start their own businesses. We had one down here in North Carolina that I helped to start with a group in the Research Triangle Park. Uh, we called it Vet Start, and that became Bunker RDU. RDU is the call letters for the uh, Raleigh-Durham Airport. So that was how I started to get into veteran entrepreneurship. And uh, veterans are naturally conditioned for entrepreneurship. 
They have a great work ethic. They have a commitment to accomplishing the mission. They have a commitment to, while they're accomplishing the mission, to take care of their people, very people-oriented. Uh, it's not just the military uh, following orders, but it's the ability to pivot on a moment's notice from plans that aren't working to plans that do. Please let me tell you something, Lieutenant Dillon, if your battle plan isn't working, you better figure out something that does or a lot of people are going to get killed here. So you have to be able to pivot on a moment's notice. Uh, and they're great team leaders. You know, they're not, you know, the whole military is based upon the buddy system. So they're inter they're very experienced in working in, uh, in a team, not only working in a team, but leading a team. There are a lot of other qualities, but that gives you an idea. 40, the SBA did a survey some years ago that said 45% of the younger people returning from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars want to start their own businesses. Many have, and they've been very successful at doing it. Absolutely. So you touched on a couple of things that uh, resonate with me. Number one is discipline. And certainly you need a lot of discipline uh, when you are starting and uh, moving forward on your business. Second, you need some uh, camaraderie. You need a team. Surround yourself with excellent people uh, that will build success. And uh, the other thing that makes sense, too, is pivoting. As we all know, the best laid plans sometimes tend not to materialize. So you have to be able to take a quick step right or left as the situation warrants. So uh, this is all good. Let me talk a little bit about you now, because uh, now you have your own consulting firm. And one of the questions here, what challenges have you faced in building your business and how have you overcome them? I'm sure our audience will uh, kind of recognize some of the challenges you uh, experienced and how you overcome them. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. My business didn't start out with uh, the idea of helping veterans. I started out thinking uh, that I was going to provide project management and business development services to companies in the service industry, but that didn't work out. And I had to pivot several times before I found a niche that worked. And like I said, my big break, my big pivot point was when uh, Crane Chicago Business um, had me do the research for the veterans in the workplace uh, section that I mentioned. And Steve, here's what I learned from that challenge. You got to be flexible. You got to find an area or an industry that is underserved where you can add value. Then go for it. Don't take no for an answer. If you meet with rejection, get up, brush yourself off, and try again. There is always more than one way to skin the proverbial cat. Absolutely. So be flexible, you know, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So what were some of the specific hurdles that you overcame during the course of your consulting career and uh, your prior career? You were with an accounting firm, too, and then you moved yeah, on 40, Yeah, 45 46, 40, 45, 47 years with accounting and consulting uh, businesses. And um, well, there, you know, there are many uh, obstacles, um, you know, how do you get business? And I learned that from some masters in the Chicago metropolitan area, how to complete a project and how to do it uh, on budget. So in the service industry, there's a lot of obstacles in you're good at it, and 
I guess I was, if I lasted 45, 47 years, I guess I was okay. You know, you learn how to, you know, the first thing you learn is how to bring in business. And you do that by reaching out to people and really trying to take care of them and uh, find out what they need and what they want and what their issues are. And I rarely ask for business. It came to me because I was trying to help people around Chicago and, and primarily and in other areas. They remembered that. And when it came time for an accounting or consulting project, they gave me a call. So I rarely asked for business. It just came to me because I reached out and, and uh, uh, tried to help them. Incidentally, I learned that from my father, who was a very successful business person in Chicago. He sold fine printing papers, you know, a book stock, um, Encyclopedia Britannica, National Geographic, Playboy, Collier's, uh, World Book, Encyclopedia, all those uh, publications were on his paper. And when he went to retire in 1981, there was a retirement luncheon for him at the Drake Oak Brook. And one by one, and a lot of my father's clients, customers came. And one by one, they stood up and said to the chairman of the board of the company who owned the paper company at that point in time, you can't let Sam Dillon retire because he took care of us for 50, 53 years through thick and thin. So paper is a commodity. We can buy that anywhere. True. And, uh, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a salesman is it when your clients won't let you retire? You know, well, that's you're pretty very, good, you know, absolutely. and that's how I learned from that. My dad, you know, absolutely. he's very good at that. So that kind of is a good segue into the next question I have for you. And it's in your notes here. You talk about the top qualities you need to build a better business. I have here integrity, decisiveness, good judgment, the ability to form a vision and execute it confidence in your own competence, et cetera. Can you expand a little bit on that and give us some specific examples of what you mean there? It's clearly evident with uh, what was happening in your business because people come to you, you didn't have to go chase them. So probably or not probably, certainly they became very familiar with you. They got to know you, like you and trust you. Um, what else can you add to those uh, qualities? The most important one is integrity. If I can't trust you in business, little else matters. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're dead after that. So you better have integrity. You better do what you say you're going to do. And you better do it with, with honor and Absolutely. with uh, reaching out to other people and helping them along. I would say integrity, you know, is the best, is the, is the primary quality that you need in in uh, business and you certainly have to be competent you know you've got to know what you're doing and you got to have confidence in your own competence absolutely basically that's uh, that's uh, integral to success so another comment here in your notes here is um or what do you look for what are important considerations in buying and selling a business and we probably can take that one step further 
what are the important considerations, let's say, for a veteran to start up a business? But if you're on the outside looking in and you have a candidate for acquisition, what do you counsel your clients on looking for? What are like the two, three or four key areas that you would advise a prospective buyer to look for in a quality business? You know, buying and selling isn't my expertise. Uh, and I've never bought or sold a business. So I can't speak from direct experience. But one of the things that um, that happens when you work in downtown Chicago for all those years is because Chicago, you know, the loop is such a walkable place, you know, it's designed that way, compact, you walk everywhere, you know, you walk to the train station, you walk to lunch, you know, you walk to, you know, clients, you know, you're walking. So you meet people that, you know, on the street. And I can't tell you how many people I met over the course of the years who told me, you know, Paul, we paid too much for that business. Ouch. Or Paul, we didn't know about A, B, and C when we bought that business. Now, you're never going to know everything. But after hearing conversation, after conversation like that, it's my strong suggestion that you do really intense due diligence on what you might be buying. Because it's my impression that the deal is never going to look better than when it's first presented to you. It's only going to get worse or more complicated. So do your strong due diligence. Don't be taken in by fear of missing out. Better not to do it if it looks bad. And I can't tell you the conversations I've had over the years where I feel people have not done enough due diligence. Well, they've told me that on the companies that they're buying, you know, and the sell side. Great. Okay. So this is going to enable you to get that big home in Naperville and that, that Lexus in the driveway and a Ferrari, maybe in the driveway and European vacations and all that. But what does this do for your, if you're going to be a true servant leader, what does this do for your employees and your customers or clients? And let me give you a story about that. Please that, do. that doesn't directly relate to the selling of the business, but it's, it's analogous, you know, because you're going to carry around with you what you've done when you've sold this business in some fashion or other. This is a blog post I wrote in 2009. Some years ago, I was exploring the possibility of other jobs in the financial services industry and spoke with a business acquaintance that I work with, whom I work with on a couple of civic committees in Chicago. This gentleman had retired some years earlier as the vice chairman of one of the major banks in town. He was very well known in Chicago business and civic circles. During the course of the conversation, he began to lament the course that he had taken in his business life. He said that he had obtained all the things that mark success in Chicago's business community, a big home in Lake Forest, a Jaguar in the driveway, private schools for the kids, country club memberships, European vacations, and the like. 
but he felt terrible about how he had obtained them. He told me that he now regretted how he had, quote, sold out, unquote. He told me that whenever there was people to be fired at the bank, whether justly or unjustly, he was the hatchet man. He told me that whenever, whenever there was something slimy to do at the bank, he volunteered for the job. He said he never stood up for anything or anybody other than himself, because that is how he rose up the ladder at the bank, and he couldn't give up the lifestyle that each career uh, move up the bank's hierarchy gave him. He was addicted to the toys. But now, like Christopher Marlowe's Dr. Faustus, he regretted what he did in his career, and he couldn't go back. He couldn't undo what he had done. I was stunned at this turn in the conversation and said nothing. A few years ago, this is back in 2009, I was paging through the obits of the local newspaper, what we Southside Irish euphemistically call the Irish sports pages, and there he was, dead at a fairly early age, late 60s, or early 70s, I think. I wondered if he had ever reconciled himself with his own conscience and with God before he died. No one has ever figured out how to attach a U-Haul to a hearse. Very pointed. You're, uh... you're going to live in some fashion or other with what you've done. Absolutely. That's, uh, be be that's conscious cool. of that. Absolutely. So clearly what you're saying there, there's a lot you've got to consider in terms of buying and selling. You being the prospective buyer have to consider that you've got employees that have been there for a while. You've got a customer base that needs to be catered to as well. Uh, while the transition from one owner to the next is just a slight adjustment, you want to enable uh, the process to continue forward and build on that success. Is that kind of what you're saying, Paul? Yes. Yeah. And why, yes. Yeah. So we're running almost a little bit out of time here. A couple of more questions. Um, what is your ideal client, Paul? You consult with a lot of people. You do a lot with veterans. What would be your ideal client and how would you? Help? Yeah, there are, you know, any client to me is ideal. I watch companies, you know, professional services firm firms over the years try to stratify clients and A clients, B clients and C clients. Let me tell you something. If somebody feels like they're being treated as a C client level client, they're not going to be a client very long. Sure. So each client that you have is a primary importance to them and you treat them with primary importance. And the analogy I use is what somebody once told me is when you go to an afternoon matinee at a play or performance, you expect to see the same performance that you would at 80 PM on a Saturday evening. Don't you? Absolutely. Well, it's the same thing with clients. Every client is important to me. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Paul, unfortunately, we're at the tail end of our uh, allotment here for the uh, for the video and uh, audio podcast. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want our audience to know about? Yes, briefly. When you're considering about buying or selling a business, particularly buying, it can't be just about the money. There has to be something more. If it's just about the money, you will most likely fail. You won't be able to get people to work along with you to accomplish your goals for the business, even if they share in the money. 
People want to know that there's a larger vision than merely profit at work with your company. What are your goals? What are your values? What is your attitude towards serving the needs of your customers or clients with honesty and integrity? Young people in particular want to work for a company that is committed to improving the common wheel of their fellow citizenry at the same time that is making a profit. Your employees want to do good while they are doing well. They need to know that those are mutually exclusive concepts. Those are tough tasks to accomplish, but the successful companies of the future will be those that can pull it off. Absolutely. There's a lot to consider to be a successful business, and those are very well-taken points. Thanks so much for sharing. Paul, last but not least, where can our audience go to find more about you? Sure. Uh, go to my website at uh, www.dillonconsult, it's D-I-L-L-O-N-C-O-N-S-U-L-T.com, or email me at paul at uh, dillonconsult.com. Again, it's paul at D-I-L-L-O-N-C-O-N-S-U-L-T.com. And I will mention, too, in closing, that a couple of the articles that Paul had mentioned during the interview are available via that website, particularly the study that he did with Crane's business here in Chicago. So everything's a good read if you go and follow up and research as as he has suggested. So, Paul, I thank you very much for your time, your insights, sharing that with our audience. Audience, I thank you for spending another moment with us here on the uh, YouTube channel and the audio podcast. There's plenty more programs to be looking into, so be sure to check it out after the fact. Thanks so much and have a good day. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business.